Welcome to the Village Traders Podcast. I'm your host, Njabulin Sibande. This podcast is aimed at helping you and experienced traders navigate the markets and learn from other traders. Um, today, I'm chilling with a good friend of mine, a mentor, friend of Just One Lab, Simon Brown. How are you doing? Njabula, I'm doing excellent, my friend. Excellent. Good, good. Um, so you and I have been trading um, CFDs for the past couple of months. You first time in 15 years or 10 years or so. Yeah. <laughs> Just first time ever. Um, what are some of your key takeaways and what have you learned in that process? So actually, when you said that, it is first time ever because before when I traded equity, I was trading warrants. Um, and and uh, it, yeah, so it, 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 for me, CFDs on you. I mean, I haven't traded equities since pre-standard bank days, which is back in, in 2006 or there's about. I, for, for me, it, it, a couple of lessons. And, and, and I'll start with some initially that aren't a surprise for me. Um, the, the first lesson is that uh, your, your, your risk management, which is the two key components, and you've spoken about it before. On the one side, it's placing a stop loss and, and setting it in stone. You'll move it, but you'll move it in your favor. You'll never move a stop loss against the trade. Um, and then the second is position size, because we, we started off with a flurry, and, and it was a flurry of, of losing trade. I'm looking at it here, um, and, and what it was 13 trades, and we I racked 12 losers of those 13, um, and and that would under sort of normal circumstances that would have been ruinous. That would have been account gone, end of story. Uh, but instead, my account is just off 16%. So funded with 25,000, got 21 in the account right now, um, and that's because. My losses were small. You know, there was one at uh, 626 that was Cecil, and that was because there was a gap against me. So I got taken out there. But otherwise, the losses are all you know, 300 bucks, uh, 400 bucks, 100 bucks, 350, et cetera, which relative to the size of the account, you know, a 25,000 account, you're like, oh, I can, I can afford to risk more, but I'm risking 1.8% per trade. So that's 450s are in each trade and and it really does mean that that we've been able to to sort of survive what was a a very very uh uh rocky uh, uh start to the process and i mean rocky's being polite i mean it was absolute a horror show things are looking better now seven open trades five in profit uh two in a loss um cuts out of triangles and reversal patterns and I, I I kind of felt I was all over the place um, so what I did with that it was just it, it didn't you know it wasn't sitting what's where I'm looking for it, it wasn't it wasn't sitting relaxing with me I was it wasn't stressful but it was it felt like it was just too much and and it was overwhelming that's the word um, so I kind of like okay Let's pull back to one strategy. Let's get the rectangles. Let's trade those. When we've got that sussed, then 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 we can start, uh, 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 you know, expanding the, the the market that or the the range that we trade in. And I was actually pondering it uh, this morning. And because one of the things is we're trading czar uh, CFDs only, uh, with the plan and time to to look at uh, 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 currencies commodities, uh, indices, offshore, etc. And I thought, you know, we could expand this one of two ways. We could expand it by bringing different methodologies of trading into it, or we could just expand it by, by bringing in new markets. Um, and, and maybe the new markets, you know, it, it's always the thing, and I've always said it with trading, is all you need to do is find yourself one 
maybe two ideas that make you money and, and then your home drive. You know, I, 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 and, you know, I've done the lazy for years. I know you're doing lazy these days. Um, when I was day trading Aussie, uh, it was 721. Um, and and it, you just need one trick. And then if you want, you kind of expand your markets. You know, I've, I've moved in with, my, with, my, with some of my trading into the DAX as an example. Um, but then the other thing that, so, so that was the one lesson that surprised me was that focus it down. And truthfully, it's probably something I knew, but it never properly quantified. But the, the, the second thing, which, which really got me was, man, that 200 day moving average, yo. <laughs> so there were a bunch, there were a flurry of trades. What was it? Woolies, Fashinis, Truers, Vodacom. Um, Vodacom. They all, they all moved strongly. Bat, yep, there was another one. All moved strongly, jumped in on them, uh, hit the 200 day moving average and just returned on a dime. Um, and so now suddenly it's a case of, okay, I want that 200 moving average. You know, if I'm going long, I want it below me. If I'm going short, I want it, I want it above me. Um, although I note the Capitec trade, so you were using an exponential and you jumped into it. Um, I was using a simple, so I didn't jump into it. And uh, it's actually gone fairly well. So now the debate is exponential versus simple, et cetera. But I, I, yeah, I've always used moving averages. I've never used indicators or oscillators or any of those for, for my trading. I've always used the moving averages, but I've always used them as relative to each other more than anything else. Yeah, in my lazy, there's the 15, which is the trigger for the entry, but, but I've looked at them relative to each other. I've never really looked at them in a, in a significant sense of, of them relative to it's price. price. Yeah. yeah. And, and how they, and as I said, that, that 200 day, it, it's like hitting a stone wall. Um, and, and, you know, the, the implication of it, it does mean that there's some trades that I won't get into that I would have, under, you know, that, that would break the 200 and make me a profit. But my sense is, you know, if you take a, a universe of, of, of 10 trades and, you know, six or seven times the, the, the moving average, you know, stops it dead and, and two or three times uh, uh, it doesn't. Then, then balance of probability is uh, get that 200-day moving average on the right side of you. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then uh, the last thing I've learned, and this wasn't a new one for me because it's, you know, and, and when we came to CFDs, and I know we chatted about it, was that you know, I've been trading indices now for, for uh, over a decade um, and profitably so. And one of my core tenets of my trading has always been two things I do well. One is I execute on stop loss, um, and 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 I still do that. And and this, the, the the think market platform has worked well in that I just put the stop loss into the system and it works. It it, it triggers me out no problem. Um, but the other was patience, and I've always thought you know I'm a patient trader, and that serves me well. Um, and and that has been borne out by by this. I, I you know as we're recording here, what is it Tuesday afternoon? Um, it looks like Spa is going to confirm. Um, and I'll wait, you know, I'll, I'll enter that trade just ahead of the close. And although, to be honest, there's a, a little bit of excitement about a new trade and, you know, position <laughs> size and all of that, um, I'm able to, to pause it and say, yeah, but, you know, let, let, let's put it aside. Let's not jump crazy scenario. Um, so that, 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 that the importance of, of, of patience. And I know for a newbie, it's hard because, you know, the, like, it's the fun of trading. I always say to folks, if you're having fun trading, probably losing money. Good trading, boring trading. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 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 the, the issue with with patience has has been because there were there were a couple of trades that you know just came maybe like a couple of cents from confirming, but didn't confirm, and we had yeah. to wait um, <clears throat> for that for that confirmation. And some of them actually returned and. You know, as you always say that a trade that doesn't confirm is a trade that that was going to lose you money. Yes. And that's uh, and that, so that I've always done, yeah, I've always done that two-step entry. I get the trigger and then I want something that confirms the trigger. So with the rectangles, you know, I want the break out of the rectangle to be 3%. Um, so it's sort of trigger confirm. And what that confirmation effectively does is it, is it keeps you out of a bunch of trades. And every trade it keeps you out of is one that wouldn't make money because, you know, a confirmation can last, you know, is valid for well, as long as it's, the trigger remains valid. The key point is, is that, you know, the, the, it's just that extra step. It's the phrase which you use a lot, the wind at the back. Um, and and if, you, if it doesn't confirm, then, you're inter- then, then you've avoided a trade that was going to cost you money. Yeah, yeah. And what are some of the principles that were reinforced um, that you, you already had uh, coming into this process that were just, you know, reinforced? I know money management is, is, is one of them. Yeah, and and I'm I'm going to mention it again because you know it is, and I think when people come new to trading, the 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 focus is on the technical analysis. Um, and, and sure, I've always been of the view that the technical analysis is is sort of like the end part of the equation, and 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 you know, if anything, the the the. I, I suppose the least important. It's not unimportant, but you know, there's a bunch before it that is more important. You know, being properly capitalized, uh, being able to do proper risk management, etc. Um, but that risk management really has just proved itself immensely, and and yeah, not surprisingly, because I've always said, you know, my 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 two skills were executing on stop loss and position size. The other the other one that also has come to me is 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 positioning stop losses. I've always referred to when I'm trading my Aussie um, and, and, and pre-market and the like, I'm using what I call it a dumb stop loss. In other words, I've got a hundred point trailing stop and if it triggers, I exit and I put it into the system and I quite like that, that ability to fire and forget. Where, and, and whereas here, so the initial stop loss is set, I'm doing a two times ATR and that gives me sort of the zone of where I want the stop loss. But then actually positioning it and, and, and some of the stocks, um, you know, most notably uh, uh, DRD, uh, Liberty uh, is two of them, which has got, uh, uh, you know, bitterly close, but, but it's worked. I mean, the methodology of the stop loss and the, the methodology is if you're looking at, let's take a long trade as it runs and then pulls back and runs again, are those low, are those troughs that it pulls back to, are the lows of those troughs higher than the previous one? And are the new highs as it runs again, higher than the previous ones? In other words, higher lows and higher highs. And then you just slip the stops below those, those previous lows. And, and, and as it runs in your favor, you just keep on moving them higher. Um, and, and that has been, you know, it, it's, it's, it's probably more art than science, and it's certainly prone to 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 going wrong. And and you know, make no mistake, there will be times when my stop loss gets tagged, and then it it, it you know it, it starts okay. to go back in the right direction again. Um, but it, it's working nicely. The, the other key thing for me, which was, so I haven't, as I said traded equity in 15 years. And I always said, you know, I would do presentations and stuff and I'd say, ah, you know, the, the most trades that you should have at any one time is, you know, three, four, maybe five at a time. But of course, I came from the old school of equity, which is when you entered a, a position, 
you could you could place your exit order, right? So you say you bought and I would be trading a warrant, you buy it and you buy it, I don't know, at a buck and your target is a buck thirty. So you put a sell order in the market for one thirty, but you've got to manage your stop loss because the stop loss systems in those days, sort of circa 2005, you couldn't put a stop loss into your trading system. The fact that I can now put both my exit and my uh, 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 exit at profit and exit at loss, i.e. stop loss trades, into the system suddenly means that, that, that actually I can manage more trades. I've currently got seven open trades at, the, at, at one time. And, and normally that would be driving me absolutely frizzled, but uh, uh, the system looks after it. If my stop is, stop is triggered, it will get me out. Now, you know, there's risk of gaps because we're trading equity and I've been hit by two of those, uh, Sassel and um, I was long Sassel and the results killed me. And then I was short Aspen and the, the sale of, of one of their uh, uh, EU operations hurt me. Um, but but broadly, it, it's just, uh, it's a whole new world where you, you place it in and i know a lot of your listeners out there are like yeah but dude this is how it's always been well no it wasn't back in the olden days <laughs> yeah we, we're very young we're very, and that's that's a very important point because you know i currently as we were recording sitting at about 36 open trades now but all i'm less stressed because all of them are um like all the stops and targets are in place so i know that i'm not gonna get stung for more than um yeah. Than, than I need to, you know, but obviously there's always, there might be some slippage on a stop and yeah, and, and some slippage on a stop. Um, and, 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 you know, that, that, that's one of the risks, particularly in equities, but they will trigger. Yeah. I mean, the, the overtrading and, and truthfully, we, 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 uh, unwittingly running an experiment here where, where you're sitting at like five times the number of trades that I have. Um, and, and, you know, what I'm loving about this whole experiment that what we're doing and, and how it's rolling out is that, you know, and it was key to it, um, is that we're, we are kind of learning in real time. And it's not just, you know, folks who come into the webcasts, it's, it's, it's me and you. I mean, it's certainly I'm learning in this process at the same time. And we're doing real world experiments. One of them is, you know, you've got five times as many trades as me. Let's see how that shakes out. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like uh, one of the the, um, the the thought process was that let me just try everything and you know yeah. in the process come up with my new rules and stuff and one of the things that I've, I've I've noticed at least as I was creating new rules it was very easy to follow um, because prior to this process I was just trading your systems the 721 and the lazy it was very easy to follow those systems because like, you know I could trust them but now when I come with my rules it was you know, very difficult to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, uh, uh, to, to adhere to those rules. Because for example, um, there was a, uh, a trade with, with ShopRite and I had, I had, I had, after I had uh, added a new rule to my system to say, mm -hmm. I need the price to be for long, for long positions. I need the price to be both above the 200 week uh, moving average and the 200 day moving average. But the ShopRite mm -hmm. trade, although it was a very beautiful trade, but I had to pass it up um, because it, 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 it didn't fit with, within, uh, within the rules. Yeah, so I've had to pass a couple as well. I mean, for example, um, Vodacom uh, breaking as we speak, um, but the 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 range is just too is just too narrow. So there's just not enough profit there for me. Um, I think the other one was Implat, where there was a, a potential trade on, 
but uh, the, my, my concern at that point was I couldn't get my risk reward to work. So my risk reward was supposed to uh, a minimum of two at entry. And then as you the trade goes in your favor and you move the stop, it increases. My, my DRD trade is at a risk reward of 20.6, but that's because the stop has been moved so much. Um, so it, 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 the, 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 the trades where you, you, they're there and lots is happening, but it needs to tick all the boxes, not just most of the boxes. Um, and, and that's critically important. I'm, you know, usually my, my number of boxes, you know, particularly, for example, the 721, I never used the risk reward because you, your stop loss is a moving target. Your exit is a crossover, so you don't actually quantifiably know, you know how. I mean, how long? I mean, I had a trade on the Indy Twenty Five on that Seven Twenty One that ran for four or five years, um, it, and and yeah, you know, I, I kept on adding to it, but it it it, it didn't exit me for, the, for for literally for years and years. Um, so, you know, th there was no risk reward in that system. So that's something else which I've had to sort of hone my skill on. Um, and I need that, that, that two risk reward because if I've got a two X risk reward, um, and as, you know, if, if I'm doing, even at that point, if I'm doing a, you know, a, then, then the system makes money and it, it, it's simple things like that. I go back to what I said earlier. We we tend to to really really focus on the um, the technical analysis component and 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 that and that that's not unimportant. But it's a lot of other smaller things which really really matter. Like if a trade isn't uh, two times or more risk reward, walk away from it. Um, and you can cheat that, of course, because you can make your target anywhere you want. But, uh, you know, it, it, in essence, my, my target should be the, the, the height of the rectangle. My stop should be 2ATR. And on the Vodacom one, my, my 2ATR was actually a little bit more than the height of the triangle. And I'm like, like yeah, I, I can fudge this all I want. But there, there's a trade here for day traders. Sure. But not for us who, who are doing end of day trading. And, you know, we've now got trades that are running into six weeks old. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have a trade that we took back in August. Okay, yeah, I think my <laughs> earliest is 2nd September, um, you know, which for me, so in my lazy system, my trades would run for, you know, in some examples, I mean, usually weeks and months and sometimes years and, and the ND ran for many years. But in my, in my Aussie, which I trade sort of that pre-market, so 8.30 to 9 o'clock, my, my average trade is seven and a half minutes. <laughs> this is a whole new experience. Yeah, yeah, these, these trades are, are, are taking an age. But, you know, you always say that if a, trade's, if a trade takes an age, it's a trade that's making money. Yeah, so, and, and there's one exception to that, and that's my distill trade, which I entered on a engulfing candle. And that's the one that's just, you know, grinding away sideways. But, but all the others, I mean, so the Xara is not a trade I'm comfortable with. Uh, the 200 day moving average is on the wrong side. I entered it before I implemented that, that rule. But otherwise, I was, I was looking through the trades uh, this morning, and, and they're all, I, I like all of them. I'm uncomfortable in all of them. Most of them are shorts, and, and my shorts are all, you know, they're making lower lows. They're making uh, lower highs. They're all kind of doing what, 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 what a, a stock that is looking weak should do. And, um, you know, reminiscence of a stock operator talks around, in that book, he talks around Jesse Livermore, the, the idea of, of a trade needs to feel right. It needs to look right. Um, and in this case, they all are. And, and, and that's, 
when I was talking earlier about how there was sort of that uncomfortableness when I was trying the reversal patterns and, and, and that's kind of what it was that they weren't all feeling right. And, and I know it's weird and it's subjective and it's probably something that comes with experience and, and time in the market, you know, as you, as you get there. But uh, when you look at a chart and you just sort of like, you know, I, I call it the, the six-year-old test, you know, show the chart to a six-year-old and say, where's it going? Um, and, and they will give you an answer in a second um, because they've got no bias. They've got no nothing. They're just like, it's going down, it's going up, or they don't know where it's going. Now, my distill doesn't know where it's going. But my others, apart from the Xoro, you know, old mutuals, uh, uh, liberties, growth points, um, they're all like, no, th this is a chart that a six-year-old would say, you're on the right side of the trade, and that, that comforts me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, you, you always been, you always have been for as long as I know, you always been a exit on stop only type of trader because, you yep. know, <clears throat> to your point, you can, you know, very ambitious with your trades. How do how are you navigating exits, um, from psychological perspective and emotional perspective to say, should I take the money or should I just adjust my stop and let this thing run? Yeah, so so far that is a work in progress. What I am doing is I'm exiting at target. So uh, rectangle is quite simple. Your target is uh, the height of the rectangle above your entry. So I'm entering a little bit above the rectangle or below if I'm shorting because I want that that 3% to confirm and then rectangle above it. Um, and one of my early winners was Vodacom and, and, and we got there within maybe it was a week or so. It was fairly quick. We got to the target and I was, so not Vodacom Discovery. And I was like, yo, hang on, this thing's going to the moon without me. And, and there was absolute uh, fear and, 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 and regret, and it hadn't even happened yet. But so, so, so far, it, it's only been that one, and it hasn't it's, – it's exceeded the level, but not by a heck of a lot. I got out at, at, at 1.30. Uh, the stock is now trading. Where are we trading now? We're trading 125. So it's been up, I think, as high as 134 or, or there's about. Um, but, but it has been a, a shift in mindset for me. And, and the worry is, because in an ideal world, I want to do less trades. Because every time you enter a trade, you've got cost of spread, transaction fees, potential slippage. And of course, your stop loss is as far as it's ever going to be. It's at maximum 1.8% risk of your portfolio. So less trades has always been sort of one of my core strategies. And therefore, when you're in that trade, ride it for as long as possible. Now with this, with this, this target, that, that's a completely different story. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the discovery. I'm, I'm seeing how it's going. But this is very much the, the style of trading that it is, which is, you know, when the targets hit, take your money. Now, what you could do is when the targets hit is, is ramp up your stop loss really, really tight. But in the case of, of, of discovery, then I would have, you know, got stopped out at my stop loss and I would have made a little bit less profit. So, I mean, I need to get more winners onto the scoreboard to get a good sense of it. Um, but at this point, it, it's something which is not my normal inclination, but uh, uh, it, it, it's it's working so far. And it is, you know, in all the digging I've done about trading rectangle breakouts, it is, you know, there's a target and you take it at that target. What I could do is, is exit a portion of the trade at target. And, and, and we'll look at that in time. And maybe that's an answer uh, uh, to do. But at this point, get to the target, take the money, uh, and then, you know, yeah. Yeah, bank maybe it. look for a re-entry or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you had to unlearn and relearn some of the stuff? you know, from the old, the old days? Um, 
Yes. So because for me, I'm, I'm a, I've always been a trend-based trader. I've always traded the trend. And, and whether that trend is, is, you know, me just trading price action on the Aussie pre-open or, or whatever the case is, I've always been that trend-based trader. And I've always, I've always waited for the trends to establish themselves. Um, so if, if you, if you, if you, you know, you, you, we talk about the bit in the middle, and I think that comes from uh, uh, Mark Douglas trading in the zone. You know, if a move is 100 points, you don't catch the first 20 and you won't catch the last 20, but you catch 60 points, which is that bit in the middle. Um, and, and so I've always waited for things to start to happen and, and sort of confirm for me, hence sort of moving average crossovers and the like, um, because they are a bit lagger and, and that's been perfect. What I've got to do here is, I mean, the trend is starting to happen, but, you know, looking at, at the SPAR one now, you know, th that trend is, is literally a couple of candles. Um, and, and for me, that's, that, that's something which I've had to sort of uh, uh, try and manage my way through and say, yeah, yeah, okay, so we've, we've had a couple of green candles. You know, is this a new trend? Well, actually, I'm trading a breakout. This is a fundamentally different way of doing it. So the first couple of trades which I was getting into, um, and I've now entered 20 in, what, just over two months. The, the first couple of trades sort of didn't sit with me because, to my mind, I was getting in too quickly. Um, and, and, and what struck me about that was how very process-driven I had become, in, become on my, my uh, uh, momentum sort of trend-based trading which has always been, you know, even like for much of the 20 years I've been trading profitably, it's been around momentums. It's been around find that trade and, and hop on the bus. Um, and I hadn't realized just how ingrained that had got into me. Um, and, and now I do. And, and, and you know, it, 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 it's actually quite comforting that, that something had become so second nature to me that I hadn't even realized it. Yeah, yeah, unconscious, unconscious competence. Yeah. And, and then the other thing I've had to learn is, is the, the added risk of equity. I, I've always, you know, I haven't traded equity in a long time. And, and truthfully, the reason I stopped trading equity, uh, I joined a big bank, I was doing media between their compliance and disclosure and all of that sort of thing. It, it was just too complex. So I, my, my portfolio is, is published um, on, on my vanity website. And, you know, it's a long term, you know, it's equity only. Um, and, and that was all fine. Um, and and what I didn't like with equity was the single event risk. Uh, and, and so far, you know, the, the single event risk is, for example, when Aspen makes an announcement of a sale and the stock absolutely gaps up and then you know, fades away. And, and truthfully, my trade, my target was 120. I would have got out at nice profit. Instead, I got stopped at about 140 and change. Um, the theory behind single event risk is that sometimes it will hurt you and sometimes it will benefit you. I just haven't had the benefit part yet, you know, but, but you know, we're, we're early days in, um, at some point I will get it where, you know, you're in a trade and, and suddenly the thing just moves 10% in your favor. And it's like, yo, something happened <laughs> and, and, and you, you, you're winning. Um, so I, I that, that didn't, I, I expected it to come. I, I knew that was the risk. In fact, on the, 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 up, the first webcast we did, I, I, it, it was there and I mentioned it. Um, as one of the risks, I just didn't expect it to smack me quite so hard, quite so quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on the right side of of uh, a news announcement with uh, multi choice. Uh, oh yeah, I mean I that's, that's just it. Yeah, and and you know what? Over a trading career, um, you're probably going to get it more or less fifty fifty. Um, so you know, the, the risk is that, of course, you slip stops. 
Um, and that happened on both Aspen and because it just gapped. You know, both times the news came out pre-open. And by the time we opened, the market just gapped through your stop and, and you just take the pain. Um, unfortunately, if you're target trading, you don't slip. Mind you, you could actually slip stops. I mean, if it happens pre-market open, uh, you could actually, you know, your, your exit was, say, 120, but market opens at 124. So you actually get a slightly better price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what happened, actually, with uh, um, the, the multi-choice. Um, are there, do, do markets feel a bit different um, from 15 years ago? Sure. That's a good question. I thought you were going to say, do they feel different from earlier in the year? And my answer was going to be like, yeah, <laughs> like they've gone to sleep. Um, although truthfully, what's happened in our local market is that uh, Tencent and then NASPAS has gone to sleep and there's, there's action happening in the, in the rest of the market. Um, do they feel different to, to, to 15 years ago? No. So not in terms of price action. What's, what's fundamentally different is my access to information, um, my access to, to systems, my access to live charts. Um, you know, 15 years ago, I didn't have live charts. I could have had live charts, but it cost me an arm and a leg. Um, I used to have to download end of day charts and it was costing me probably about two grand a year for that data. Um, and that was just for the local market. So I, you know, you'd get end of day data and then intraday, um, I, I'd written a, a, I used to scrape a, a, a website um, of, of, of prices during the course of the day. So I'd hit the website every 60 seconds, uh, grab the price, and I would, I would do my own charts in, in Excel. Um, and that, they were dirty because, you know, I'm only scraping every 60 seconds. Um, I was on dial-up, so if I wasn't there, I couldn't do it. And it was, it was messy. Um, so markets feel the same. The technology is chalk and cheese. I mean, I, I actually written a, 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 a column for JC Magazine that will be out, uh, I think, towards the end of October. Um, and I'm talking, and, and the, the genesis of the article is that we didn't realize it, but we trade in the future. You know, what we are trading with in 2020 is the sort of stuff that we didn't even dream about back when I was starting out in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, and and it, it really is absolutely astounding. So, you know, the one thing that is different to the markets is my, is my access. You know, back in the day, I traded uh, uh, warrants on the JSE, which meant there were only about 30 or 40, maybe 50 stocks that had warrants issued on them. There was no indices. There was no offshore currencies, FX, any of that, commodities, et cetera. Um, that range is there. But, but in terms of their movement, what I've always done when I trade is I just trade the price action. You know, the, the fundamentals don't matter to me. Um, you know, I, I, you know, let's take, uh, uh, you know, just as, a, as an example, uh, MTN. There's a lot to be said to make a fairly strong bull case for MTN um, at around about the, the, the sort of 55 level. Um, and, and there's a buyer there who, who's you know, been buying up a storm and, and, and stopping my short go any lower. That buyer's at, what, just under 54. Um, you can build a fairly robust fundamental view on MTN. But I'm not here for the fundamental view. I'm, I'm here for the, the, the price action. Um, and, and that's how I've always traded. I, 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 I sort of pushed the, the fundamentals aside. And truthfully, that was easier back in the day because access to the data, the fundamentals was much harder. You, you had some, you know, there was only one radio show. It was just Alicog um, on, on SAFM. 
and, and I think he might only have had half an hour, you know, per evening. So, so it was a lot less sort of noise, so to speak. But in terms of price action, in terms of stuff moving, all looks pretty much as it always did. Okay. Um, when, when you started trading warrants back in the day, did it, to whatever degree, uh, interrupt you, like your investment philosophy or your investment style? Um, for example, if you, you know, you're looking to buy a, a certain stock based on its fundamentals, but when you're looking at a, at a chart, when you're trading it, you're looking at, you're shorting it or looking at more um, better um. sort of levels that you can buy that stock at. Um, the answer is no, but, but not for the reasons. The reason the answer is no is because back then, particularly when I was starting, so I started trading in 95 um, and I didn't make profit until 2000. That was my, so 99, I think I was break even um, and 2000 was my first profitable year as a, as a, as a trader, distinct from investing. But back when I started, um, my process of selecting both shares to invest in and shares to trade long or short was so rudimentary that that I there was no skill set in either. I, I I was it was broadly ignorant. So I mean, you know, my first stock I bought was Diadata, and I bought it because I was doing computer science in matric, and computers just seemed exciting. And Diadata was on the JSC, and they were cheap in terms of random cents, not in terms of valuation. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I paid fifty five cents for them. There was another tech stock, uh, a computer stock, but it was around 30. So I bought Diadata because I got more of them. You know, um, I, I bought Pick and Pay because everyone was like, this is, uh, what did they used to call it? There was a chap who used to write in the Sunday Tribune. His name escapes me. He talked about the Blue Royals and he always talked about Pick and Pay being his best. So it was only really sort of into the early 2000s when my trading uh, sort of got better in terms of uh, sort of late 90s with my trading and early 2000s with my investing and and my trading was learning more than anything risk management uh position size you know i just used to buy uh, a set quantum of warrants per trade and sometimes my, you know, my, my, my risk would be a couple of thousand and sometimes it would be tens of thousands. There was no consistency in that regard. Um, and then probably the key point was probably around 2002. I had pick and pays and I switched into shop rights. And it was a long, agonizing decision, but I actually went and did a lot of digging and a lot of work and a lot of research. And let's not kid ourselves. You know, it was research that was fairly light, but you know, I, I contacted both companies and asked them to send me their, their annual reports, which they did. Um, because of course, in those days, they weren't freely available on the internet. Um, I went and hauled out past results um, and all of that sort of thing. Um, so the, when I came to trading and investing, I didn't have sort of set processes in either that could perhaps influence one or the other. Um, and, and now that I'm far enough down that line, you know, I haven't had the situation yet where I have had a trade in a stock that I own, be it long or short. Um, but, but that will happen. But I, I'm fairly confident that my, my mind will be comfortable enough with the theory that says, you know what, one is a long-term slash medium-term uh, uh, investment, you know, ungeared, etc. Um, and, and the other is a short-term CFD trade. And, and they're fundamentally different and they have different drivers. 
Yeah, yeah, because you know the the with with a couple of trades with like for example with uh, Mr. Price, I'm I'm short Mr. Price, uh, or rather I was short before I got stopped out. To say maybe I should be looking for an even uh, a decent price uh, with with uh, looking at the, mm-hmm. the charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and that's the one thing, and it's it's one question which is mold in my brain a lot um, as an investor. And I've sat in investment committees at the same time for for collective investment schemes, unit trusts, um, and and there's a you know investors ignore fundamental, sorry, ignore technical analysis, and yeah, at the core of it, I got to say to myself, surely that's a silly idea. You know, it's just it's another to your to to your phrase. It, it's wind at the back. Why not? You know, if this stock is great value, but the trend is strongly down, well, why not wait for that downtrend to start sort of you know slowing and 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 you know make itself more 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 sort of uh, uh, amenable to, to to a position and instead of 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 you know just blindly buying and certainly. This is an industry where the the the, the active management of, of you know, fundamental investors kind of think that technical analysis is is voodoo, I, and I think they're missing a trick. I really do think that there's that there's something there which they could bring into the process that would actually bring some some extra value to the process, um, and, and it's something which I've never really massively explored into. And I probably do it sometimes a little bit subconsciously when I'm entering long-term uh, positions or adding to positions. But it's something which I take a, a good chunky four weeks over Christmas and, and, and I spend that time you know, pondering my, not just my current investments, but my philosophy around investing and trading and the like. And it's one of the things which I want to add to my list for, for my 2020 December holidays is perhaps to bring a little more technical analysis into my, my fundamentals in terms of just when to enter, not on the exits, because my exits are long-term, you know, I'll hold them in an ideal world for decades, um, but certainly on entries. Yeah, yeah, because you could get even better prices. Yeah, you yeah. know, and if you, it's what I always say, as a, as a fundamental trader, there's only one thing that I control, and that is the price that I pay when I buy. And and I can I can say I don't like the price and not buy it, but I don't control the dividend flow. I don't control the earnings. I don't control how the market responds to any of that. My only control is the price I pay, and perhaps I've left a door open there where I actually simply haven't put enough thought into into. I mean, I put a lot of thought in terms of you know uh, trying not to cross the spread and all of that, but a little bit of light technical analysis could perhaps you know a couple of extra percentage points here or there. It adds up over a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. So lastly, are there any rules that you had that have changed um, uh, from from like a decade ago to now? With, Ooh, like, with from like a decade ago. And the, and the like. <clears throat> so, I mean, one of them, so it was almost exactly, in fact, it was March of 2010 that I bought the concept of the perfect trade-in. Um, and that's because I, I was in Cape Town doing some some presentations. I was having lunch with a friend, and I just did a horror trade. I did a, I, I, I did a trade where every single component, I entered on a break, which I never do. I doubled the size when it went to my direction, which I never do. Um, and then I failed to monitor it. And I placed a stop for the initial trade, but not for the doubling up. So that evening when I swept my account to make sure everything was closed, there was still a position. And I took a horror loss in that. Um, I think the the thing that's probably changed over the the decade has been it's been incremental and it's been around 
more than anything around discipline. Um, and, and that, you know, I talk discipline all the time. I, I talk about how that a cornerstone, you know, if you ask me what sums up a good trader in a single word, I would say discipline. Um, and, and if you give me a sentence, it would be discipline to strategy, discipline to, to risk management, you know, consistency of action, discipline of the mind. And I've been, I've been talking about that. I've been teaching about that for, for you know, 15 years. But as one trades more and as we, we, we you know, get more, more experience behind us, my discipline has become patently better. And it, it's not something that, I suppose it's like many things that are incremental. It's not something that you kind of notice day to day or, or even week to week or even year to year, really. I mean, there will be years maybe where you have big, big leaps in it. But, but when, you, when you say, look back over a decade, um, it, it's, it's been my, it, it's, it's the, the, the discipline in the trading has, has, has you know, gotten that much better. I'll give you an example. I trade the, the, as I was saying, Aussie futures pre-open or pre-equity open. <clears throat> and my big challenge was that sometimes there wasn't a trade to, to see. And I needed to learn how to see when there wasn't a trade to enter. And I'm still, that's still something that I'm struggling with. Um, but as soon as I start, you know, I've got the text that says, oh, that's maybe saying there's nothing happening here um, and, and I should back off. So, so the obvious one is that, you know, in my first sort of five minutes, what's the range? And if the range is just too small, there's not, there's not enough space for me. I need a 200-point move to make a profit. And, and if the range is too small, it's not going to happen. Um, and, and what worried me was two things. I was worried that I would struggle to identify when there's no trade on, and I'm still perfecting that. But I was worried that I wouldn't have the discipline to act on it. And, and it's been the easiest thing. As soon as I see something that says to me, ah, I don't think there's a trade on here, boom, walk away, no problem whatsoever. Um, and, and I think a big part of that is probably the, the, the greed part. You know, we enter trades because we expect every trade to be a winner. Um, of course, that's not true. There's uh, a, a large number of losers in the process here. Um, but, but certainly, I'm, I'm quite happy to, to, to do it. And so I think the thing that's probably evolved most for me over that decade has been discipline. I had it. But, you know, if I go back to the, two, to the 90s, I had no discipline whatsoever. Um, it was something that evolved over time. Um, and it, it, it's serving me well in, in the CFD trading. We were talking about it a moment ago. Um, but it's also something that has taken time to get here. You know, I don't want to say it's taken 20 years, but it, it certainly didn't happen overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you, Simon, for, for your time. Really appreciate it. I will park it here. Um, be sure not to miss another episode of The Village Trader. Subscribe on your favorite podcatcher on Google, Spotify, iTunes, basically any decent podcatcher we there. Join us as you're listening tonight. Um, Wednesday evening, I'll leave the link to that. We are trading CFD, Simon and myself. Um, check you next time on The Village Trader. Cheers. Thanks, guys.